This podcast is brought to you by Hanley's Clean Meals. Hanley's Clean Meals provide you with nutritionally balanced prepped meals that will aid you in all walks of life. Hanley's Clean Meals provide numerous inter-county teams with meals. For more information, visit their website hanleyscleanmeals.ie or follow them on social media. Joined now by Brian Kavanagh to look ahead to this weekend's All-Ireland Senior Club Football Championship Final between Chemical Croaks and Kilku at 5 o'clock in Crow Park on Saturday. Brian, it's it's a real novel pairing when you consider the two. Obviously, it's well talked about the Kilmacud's numbers and huge amount of teams and everything. And then you take into consideration Kilku, it's the sheep farming and playing football. Like It's, it's a surreal final, really. It is, Paul. Yeah, probably a lot of people would have called maybe one or two of them getting or having good successful campaigns. Um, but they do come from contrasting backgrounds. You have the South Dublin club and then you have, the, as you said, the sheep farmers. But two clubs who are steeped in tradition with football and uh, both with players, a lot of players who don't have All-Ireland club medals and uh, they'll be going gung-ho for it now on Saturday. You obviously played for Kim McCud for a while. Is there a real kind of excitement to the final this weekend with crowds and everything being back and the first club final now since 2020? Yeah, like I, I remember joining and and it being described to me as being a real parish and it is a real parish. Like when they win the county final, there, there wouldn't be bonfires lit along the, the N11 dual carriageway <laughs> like it might be in, in rural clubs uh, down the country. It, it is very tight-knit. I know it has huge numbers, but when it comes to an individual team, like the senior team, like they all know each other very well. The families follow all the games, the supporters, the, the mothers cook meals after after matches on a Saturday in the clubhouse. So it, it really has a, 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 a close-knit feel to it as well. And I'm sure it's the same in Kulku. It's, it's one in, all in, I'd say, up there that you can't go to the shop without people asking you questions at the post office. So... Uh, it is. It is a, there's a parish element to both. It's just it just comes across in different ways. Mark Vaughan, a player you would have uh, played with, he's still playing with Kilmacud. It's remarkable, even just seeing an article today um, about it. Yeah, Mark was there in I know nine. He was, he's one of our main players back then, uh, and he was for many years before and after that. I think he must have four or five uh, championship medals in in Dublin. Um, and he's a great person to have around the place. His game time has been limited, but I think Dara Mullen was talking about him today and he was saying that uh, he inspires the younger players and he does, he, he really does. He, he, he doesn't stop talking before training or after training. He's just, his enthusiasm for the game, he's just out kicking footballs before, during, after. You just, he, he's, he's just a great role model for the younger players who are probably might spend that extra few minutes maybe in the car trying to stay warm or something like that. He's out there and uh, yeah, he's great. And I know he was brought in, especially for that role, as long as to contribute to the team, but also to to drive the younger lads and lead that this man has this medal this, and he's still doing this. And I remember that being said at a few of the Croke sessions, the boys who were leading it, the Rory O'Carrolls, the Craig Diaz's, like especially Rory, like they, 
they have an All-Ireland Club medal and they know what the standard is to, to reach and they're the people that are driving it on and setting the tone for everyone else. Do you think it's helped with having a player like Mark Vaughan there, especially as an attacker, you talk about Rory O'Carroll, obviously defender, Craig Diaz, midfielder, but when Paul Mannion got injured, do you think it was massive to have a player of Vaughan's experience around then? Yeah, because Mark is one of these, he's... He, he'll, he'll go over to a 19, 20-year-old. He'll go over to a Hugh Kenny or Callum Pearson or Tom Fox, these boys who are still learning the trade, even though they've been around a few years. And he'll point out spaces at a water breaker. He'll point out things at halftime. Just because he's not playing, he's, he's very hands-on and, and his his value is, is, is crucial. Like, I was working with the second team this year and Mark came down with us for a few sessions. And he's just... He's just little nuggets of, of wisdom that he that he can impart on people. And he's just a, a breath of fresh air. And then that's not even just including his talent. Like I know Paul is out, has been out, but Mark is a viable option from the bench. And if there's if there's if it's coming down to a free-taking competition and Croaks are looking for a free taker, Mark is more than well and than capable. He's shown it before to coming on and kicking them off the ground and getting those scores. We talked early on there about numbers and everything in Kilmacud, numerous adult teams and everything. Nine and 11 great periods for Kilmacud and then Mullinocht has been referenced. But there has been years where maybe they haven't reached county finals or they maybe have underachieved. What do you think was, would you put that down to? I'd say it's the ferocious competitive nature of Dublin football. Um, you can be caught in the hop. There was a couple of years where it was just total knockout, which started in April. So you could be gone out of the championship. I remember one year we were out by Oliver Plunkett's for the Brogans. They beat us in April and we were gone. So uh, you, you've only one bite of the cherry. Now they have changed it to the league format, but even at that, to get out of your group, you can't be looking too far down the line. And then you have these emerging teams like Knock, who have 20 years ago didn't exist. And now they're, they were getting the county finals. St. Jude's are so strong. And, there's so many factors as well. Like the more players you have with county teams, it, it is harder for the clubs to get back together. Like if Dublin win in All Ireland and you have six players in with them, um, it's very hard. It, it, those Dublin players aren't going to be the guys who are going to dig you out of the trenches in a club game in, in three weeks after that. It's it's going to be the club players, and maybe that was the downfall of Ballymun for a few years. You could even see when COVID struck and Ballymun had the access to their players, they won the championship. So the, there are a lot of variables. You also have to have the talent. Maybe there was a few years where Crokes didn't have the same level of ability as Vincent's had. I think they won two or three in a row there as well. So there are a lot of variables, but it's such a tough championship to win. And that's why it draws the big crowds in Parnell Park because it's just huge competitive nature to it. And there's very few one-sided games, especially after the groups. How many adult teams are you talking roughly? Um, I suppose, yeah, to say there's 130 teams altogether, including the Camogie and the ladies football, football and hurling, which is an, an amazing amount of teams. And, and, and I understand that. But I suppose it can be devied up into like a lot of underage. And there is a huge fall off, like in any clubs, lads don't stick with it and they, they find other things in life that they enjoy doing more. So there are, there's probably seven to nine senior men's teams there. And with squads of maybe twenty to twenty-four. Now there is there are interchangeables like you know that we'll take from the second and go up to the first and back down. But there there are huge numbers to pick from. Yeah, you would have um, seen Robbie Brennan as a manager closely. You could kind of tell after the 
the semi-final win and even the Leinster final win going up to the players that there's a real kind of good bond between Robbie and the players. Yeah. Robbie is, is prides himself on being a man manager. He prides himself on getting getting to know the players, getting to know about them, about their, their own personal lives. I think he's he's similar to Jim Gavin from what I hear as well, that he he's uh, he makes sure the players are happy. And if they're not happy, they're not going to be performing on the field. And he tries to bring everybody with him and he, he does a great job at that. And he's been a breath of fresh air. Johnny McGee was with him in the first year. He came in in 2018 and won a senior championship straight away, the first in nearly a decade, which is a great reflection on his management. And I, and I played under him and he's, he is, he, he, you play with a smile on your face. He does expect you to work hard, but he's big and he is big on discipline and respecting the referee, respecting your opponents, respecting your own teammates. But at the end of the day, he, he lets lads enjoy training, work hard, and, and he's, he's reaping the rewards now. On their opponents, Kilku, it's safe to say before Mickey Moran came in, they were really falling at Ulster. It was just they couldn't seem to get over the line. Since he's come in, they, they have got over the line and two Ulster titles, respectively. Yeah, and Kilku have been around. I was even watching that documentary on Cross Midland the other day, and, 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 and that was back in 2014, 2015, and they played Kilku in an, all in a, an Ulster semi final. So these some of these lads have been on the road for a long time, a lot of down medals, and they've done they've really represented themselves great. They're probably a one in a lifetime uh, team to come out of the parish. Like I know we spoke before about how they might have been in a division two, division three team and down in the in the nineties, and now look where they are, one of the best teams. So it is, it's a remarkable journey. And the Conlick Inigan and, and, and Mickey Moran in charge of them. And like Mickey is an, an amazing record as well. Has he won yeah. been the manager of the last six or something Ulster club titles, which, which is an amazing achievement? And he obviously knows when he stayed on after after the last defeat, he knows that, that there's more in them. And uh, it's, it's it's great to see that that they're back there again because they're they're a great team to watch. They're an amazing club team and they're 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 an inspiration for other club teams around the country if, if Kilku can do it, just like Mullinyakta. If you can get yourselves right, get a, get a team organised, like the sky's the limit. There's an interesting dynamic. Um, before they got over that line in Ulster, they fell to Schlock Neil. Mickey Moran was over Schlock Neil and they approached him after they lost because their manager was stepping down and they approached, the players themselves approached Mickey Moran to get involved with Kilku. Yeah, well, Mickey Moran, like he'd be probably be held in such high esteem, one of the best managers in Ireland, like himself and Malachi O'Rourke up in Ulster, whatever they seem to touch turns to gold. Um, but yeah, Mickey had a great time with Schlock Neil. And again, the who players probably saw huge similarities between themselves and Schlock Neil in the small rural parish and, and everybody putting their shoulders to the wheel. And when 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 you see a team that beats you like Schlock Neil and you see what their manager has done for them and they probably spoke to some of the Schlock Neil players and heard how highly they spoke of him, they were like, We want a bit of this and and, and fair play to them for recruiting Mickey because it's it's been a huge coup for them. On Kilku, like you might have seen it when you were playing um even club football at your home club in Longford. There's challenges with rural clubs. People talk about them being sheep farmers but I'm sure there is a lot of players who have to commute to work and to keep a team together in a rural parish like I don't think people realise how much pressure and how hard that is to keep them all together um, in a rural club 
yeah it is it's really tough like you're living in 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 rural part of down like you might have to commute to belfast some of them might be coming down south as well so the air and and even like just going back to the Mullinyakta boys i know callum the, the the cornerback he had to come over and back from from leeds for training but there's, there's a few things I would say on that. First of all, the Cuckoos seems to be an unbelievable breed where they nearly put their club above anything else, including Down. And it's probably the Down County team are suffering from the dedication that the Cool Coo boys have. And they also know they're onto something good there. They're not traveling home for training and then getting beaten out the gate on a Saturday evening or Sunday morning. They're a really competitive team. And they probably they got the ball rolling when they won their first. And then they realized that this is, this is worth making the sacrifices for. Uh, we have a special group of players, and but it is it's it's an inspiration for 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 all different clubs. It really does show the commitments. I'm not sure did you hear Darrell Brannigan speak after one of the matches. He was after having a baby, and he moved home to his mother's house to get sleep and be ready for Kilku. Like that just shows how far they're willing to go to reach the Holy Grail. Yeah, one of one of the the folk folklore. We got to go down to folklore to win the club all Ireland. But there's stories like that everywhere, right, where what people have done for their clubs and what people do for their counties and for football in general and in hurling. And uh, yeah, it, it it is an amazing achievement. And even it's it's one thing turning up as well and making those sacrifices. But there's such a team. There's such a, an athletic, physical team that they're not just turning up and, and clocking in and clocking out they're obviously putting huge work on the training pitch because as a unit they, they are one of the best in Ireland like they were very close to turning over Corfin. I know they ran out of gas in extra time in that game but uh, they, they really put it up to them that day and they kept it tight at the back they knew their strengths they played to their strengths and they don't have any problems swallowing their pride either they know what way it can beat a team and they don't care if it's four points to three or a shootout, whatever it can do to get over the line. You mentioned Curve in there. Do you think that's going to be mentioned much um, this week going into the All Ireland final? Yeah, well, like it's different strokes for different folks. Like some players will 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 draw maybe a bit of experience from that. They've played in Crow Park, and um, they realise they can play with the best. They can say that they maybe have left it behind, though I don't know how much I'd buy into that, that I thought Curvin were much dominant, more dominant in the, in the extra time. But it is, it's no harm to reflect and learn as long as you don't let it consume you and, and think that, oh, this is our last shot now against Croaks, we need to go for it. But the Croaks boys can do exactly the same. Like Craig Diaz said uh, that his, his biggest regret uh, in the football career was losing the cross with Lennon's playing that day. In Navin, uh, we were going for a second All-Ireland because we had a little poster up saying that Mickey Hart said that a good team wins one, a great team that wins more than one, and that we wanted to be that team to win more than one, and we just fell short against them. And he's still talking about that 10 years, 11 years on. So both teams can can re uh, recall regrets, like even the Mullignac to defeat three years ago where they, where they got caught with five minutes to go. So... Uh, yeah, you can reflect on it, but you do have to live in the present too and get ready for the game on Saturday and 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 play, play the match, play the 60 minutes. Going into this game, like the majority of Kilku players would have played against Kerfin, but there's probably still one or two, like the likes of Michelle and Johnston maybe, or players like that, like the younger players in the squad, that it's a big occasion. Do you still think managers are going to have to handle like some players... Like playing in this, like a packed house, pro park, all Ireland final. 
I'd be more worried about the older players if they let it get to them because they're coming on. Like, there's a great uh, youth people, young people have a great uh, fearless way of playing because you're 21, 22, 23, you think, oh, we'll be back here in a couple of years' time and, and you just play with a bit of abandon. Um, and the way the Kiku are so experienced with the amount that they've won, like, they're play yes, they're playing in Croke Park, but an Ulster Club final is, is a huge game as well and they performed in that absolutely blew Derry Gonnelly out of the water. So I wouldn't be worried about them at all in that sense. That I think they'll embrace it, that they feel that they have the work done. Like, they got through Ulster, they maybe took their eye off the ball a small bit against uh, Finn Barris in the semi-final, but that's not going to happen again. They know that they're up against a serious machine in Croaks and they're going to have to bring their A game. You mentioned there about older players. As the game goes on, is it hard, like, for older players, like, even on either side, to try and not let that kind of mindset get inside your head? It depends what position you're in in, in, in the game. If you're, if you're two points down, you're going to throw caution to the wind and you're going to go for it. Maybe older players might be more in, 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 inclined to hold on to the ball. Uh, if they're a point up or two points up where the younger lads might kick on. But it all depends. There's, there's great experience in, in that Cuckoo team. You look, see the likes of Aidan Brannigan coming on. These boys have been playing, they've been playing for down for 10 years, never mind for their clubs. So they, they have huge experience. And Cuckoo are so battle-hardened at this stage that they know how to win tight games. They've been to extra time twice now already in this campaign. So they, they won't be they won't fear a tight game or, or where, where it'll end up. Looking at this game as a whole, it's fair to say we're all kind of expecting here a real tactical tense battle. Yeah. And the more people I talk to, the more I feel or I hear that the general consensus would be that the two are our favourites among the, the general population. Um, I feel that Croaks, people are saying that they had a, a Poirik Pierce's aren't in the same league as Kilku, but Croaks still got the job done and they got the job done against uh, Nace and Port Arlington as well and Wolf Tones and no matter if, if, if they know that they're up against a good opposition they're going to raise their game as well and they are very very strong but it is going to be tight I'd say Kaku are going to keep it nice and compact at the back so will Croaks and they're just going to look to turn each other over and then hit each other on the counter attack Do you see any team here throwing a bit more caution to the wind, maybe thrown a body or two more forward? I'd say um, Croaks would be looking for a fast start because if they can get ahead of Cuckoo, it'll force Cuckoo to come out and play. I'd, I, I would, wouldn't be surprised to see Croaks going gung-ho for the first, we're between the 10th and the 20th minute and pushing right up on their kickouts, trying to get a few scores, get two or three points ahead, and then they can sit back, and then they can use their counter-attacking players instead of vice versa, letting Kiku go ahead, and then Croaks having to come out to play. So I think there'll be a bit of an arm wrestle. It'll be a bit frantic for the first three or four minutes, and then I can see Croaks pushing up, because why shouldn't they push up? They've been pushing up all year. Um, I know Kiku are a threat on the counter, but if they can cut down their turnovers and kill the ball dead, they're, uh, the, the risk reward is worth it. With this tight, tense battle that we're expecting here, transitional players on either side are going to be vital to stop. You're looking at Kilku, Shailen Johnston, and Caleb Doherty. Then you look at Croaks, it's been kind of Shane Horn and a Tom Fox role of getting on that ball from deep. 
Yeah, yeah. Brannigan strikes there with the black leggings as well. He's a great man to cover ground. Um, and Kuku are masses at that, and they really do run off the shoulder and, and, and come at you hard. And that's they'll be they'll be they'll be targeting maybe certain Crokes players who are known to carry the ball to, to go in on them, try and get them over, and then they'll be gone. It'll be like the, the, the Donegal of, of 10 years ago as well. But Crokes again have the same, like they're so athletic to defenders, like Andrew McGowan, Ross McGowan, um, the, the two midfielders, you have Shane Horn, as you said. And even the lads who are dropping back, Shane Cunningham, when he, they're all super ball carriers. And then they leave the, the lads inside, like Darren Mullen, maybe Callum Pearson, so they'll have the option they can either run it or if there is open road ahead of them and they can kick the ball in and then just follow it in after it. Do you expect Rory O'Carroll to sit back in front of this Kilku full forward line of the Johnsons and Conor Laverty? I do, I do. I had this conversation with Davy Burke. Um, I, I, I do expect Rory to sit back. I expect someone to mark Rory's man um, and he won't be given the, the freedom of the pitch. But I do expect that whoever's, say, on Connor Laverty is going to come out and follow him. And then if that leaves two inside, Rory will drop back into that role. But Rory's so experienced, he'll know when, to, when he's not needed in there. If they're not kicking the ball in there, Rory's not going to stand in there. He's going to push out and then move out to the 45 and then make a shield there. But he'll be able to read that game. But I do see if there anyone, if anyone is to be given a free role, it'll be Rory because you can really trust him and he can read a game better than anyone. Who's going to follow Laverty out the pitch then, do you, do you find? Um, Michael Mullen seems to stay inside if it's uh, probably on one, maybe one of the Johnsons. I'd say he'd probably one of the McGowan's or Killian O'Shea. Killian O'Shea came out to follow Collie Baskell, I remember, against uh, Bally Bowden. And he's he's very comfortable out the field as well. And both the McGowan's have great engines. So we were just speaking about this before. I think that Robbie Brennan has such trust in his players that he'll have a, he'll have a meeting with them to see who's more comfortable doing what. Um, and with which player and then let the players have their input and then ultimately Robbie will make his own decision. From a Kilku perspective as well, like Darren Mullen has really been known for these trademark runs in near the sideline and then runs around in a loop and really burns cornerbacks. So you'd expect they are going to play with maybe huge numbers in front of the Crokes full forward line to try and I suppose, curtail the Crooks full forward line, but to try and, and stop the counter-attack counter-attack and play as well. Yeah, Darren Mullen has one uh, X factor that the other Crooks players don't really have, is that he's superb at standing his man up and then making the burst and breaking the tackle. And as soon as he breaks that tackle, he's drawing men in and then there's going to be runners off him. So they, they, what Crooks are going to try and do is isolate Dara and have him one-on-one, -on -one because if he do, does break that tackle, he'll either get a score or win a free. Um, I don't know if the other Crokes players, they're more, uh, they're more like coming around the, on the loop and maybe kicking from there, but he's, he's very direct. He's been direct since he's been 12 years of age. That, that's his game. He gets the ball, and he's an amazing turn, and then he just goes straight for the goals. So Kaku will be wary of that. They probably would be able to afford to sit off the other Crokes players a bit more because they probably... I wouldn't be as direct as, as Dara is. So that, that'd be something that Mickey Moore will be thinking about. A characteristic of um, Crokes, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts, defensively, they've been outstanding in this campaign. They're forcing teams to shoot from positions that they're not comfortable. Fair enough, they've done it against 
Pierce is, Paul Carey got some, but then you could see towards the end, you're not going to get them shots all the time. Yeah, and there's a mentality with Crokes too, that if someone does kick an amazing score, it's almost like fair play to you. Try keep shooting from there, and then we'll see who wins the game. They protect their, their 35 yards out. That's their zone, and they let you shoot. Hubert Darcy kicked a great one as well on the left peg from way out the field. Like, that's not the percentage shot. Let They'll get two or three. But then when they start drifting wide and it sucks air out of the other team. But then on the counter of that, I saw that how Kuku came out this week and one of the players, I think it was Paul Devlin, was saying that we won't be dragged into it, shooting from impossible angles. We're going to take our time and work the ball in. So it's going to be interesting to see because patience is going to wear out. Crokes are super organised when they get set. And again, the results show it. They've conceded 15 points in the last two games in total. Like they are very, very organised. So it'll be up to Kuku to try and make these breaks and maybe that'll be up from Brannigan, Brannigan coming from half-back maybe to make a, a dart and run to attract a bit of attention and free someone else up. Brian, is it safe to say both of these teams are following the Dublin template we've seen of you only take the shot on if it's in the scoring zone, holding on to the ball and working the opportunity? Well, I think more than just them are following the template. I think it's a template that everybody is following, that you keep it wide, you have guys hugging the, the, the touchline, and you work it, and then you work your percentage shot. And, and because of video analysis, it's very easy to get up a, a two-minute clip of, of wild shots in a game, and that doesn't belong stopping lads from taking pot shots from everywhere. Now, there's going to be certain licenses granted to, to certain players, like Tom Fox's shooting range isn't the same as everyone else. He's well able to kick it from 45. Paul Mannion is the same. His, his shooting range is different, although he's gone. But it is, it's, it's, it's with the percentage, trying to get your conversion rate up to 60, 70%, 60%, 70% is the golden mark in, in a football team. If you can score 70% of your shots, or 70%, score from 70% of your attacks, yeah, you, 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 unless you have nobody at the back, you should be there, thereabouts. It's fair to say when we talk about presented shots, we're going to see a lot of holding the ball. Like, could this be, I hate to say it looking ahead to a final, but this could be low, very low scoring. Like, are we, are we looking at an 8-7 or something here? Well, yeah, Kilku have shown that that like against Corfin in the last final it was a four three, and they probably thought right we can't let Corfin start playing this swashbuckling football that they have been used to seeing, and they kept it really tight. I don't know if that had the same fear of Croaks, but it it could it could be tit for tat. Croaks will play if they're let play, and if the team that they're, if they're, if Kilku go man for man, Croaks will go man for man. And it'll it'll be an all out, but I, I just can't see that happening. I can see both teams trying to cancel each other out early on, and that's why maybe a goal could be a huge huge score in this game. If if the team gets three points ahead, four points ahead, just the whole mentality. Even if you're told not to do it, the whole mentality of the other team is we need to push out, and then you're starting to do something that you mightn't be used to doing or haven't planned for, and that's when cracks, even more cracks, can start appearing. Then is it is a goal? I suppose in this game nearly what we all need to see earlier on because one of these teams are then going to have to push out of their comfort zone. Yeah, or one team racing into an early lead of maybe four or five points um, and, and just maybe a goal and a couple of points and forcing the other team at it, which, and whoever gets, whoever gets ahead, it's going to, just going to suit their play so much. Um, 
I'd feel that that Crokes probably have the better ability to come from behind if they need it, if they conceded an early goal, because of their fitness and then because of the strength of their bench. Um, but if if I'd feel for Kilku, if Crokes were able to get ahead and with the wisdom at the back and the organisation that they have, that I'm not sure to be able to lock up. In my personal view, the, as best they can, they can lock up the Johnsons and, and Paul Devlin and, and just keep them outside their scoring zone. In midfield as well, this game, is the only, I suppose, question mark within this Krogs team that Connor Casey could come in for Ben Shovlin? Yeah, Connor's an amazing player. Um, very unlucky not to be playing for Dublin for the last few years. Really quiet, sort of just gets on with his business, but an amazing footballer, like very, very fit. Um, if, if he hadn't got that injury, he would have started every game. I, I, I believe so. I believe that. Um, he could start the final. He has started games in the last couple, but um, he, he definitely would have an impact on it, whether he starts or he could come on at half time. He'll, uh, he'll be a player that will be shown for every kick out and will be covering every blade of grass. Midfield as well, like if we're looking at it, it's not traditional midfields on either side. Like there's no big powerhouse where you expect either team to go and launch a long kick out. Uh, at stages, they're going to have to, but you feel even Kane and goals for Kilku, Conor Ferris and goals for Kim McCook-Croaks, they're really going to be looking to get short ones away quickly. Yeah, and, and and I think the teams might play into that as well. For I'd say for 70-80% of the kickouts, they might even be uncontested or there'd definitely be an extra body or two in the backs. So it'll be easy for the keeper to get the ball away. The only time I see a, a midfield coming into real play and for a keeper is if a team is chasing the game and they're doing a, a full court press, as they say, and everybody just pushes up. And that's that'd be a team that's chasing the game. I know Croaks do it sporadically and they make a call and someone calls it and everybody pushes up and then they try and squeeze. But I don't know if you've seen it um, live, uh, Paul, but they, their push is just incredible. Their push against Port Arlington, they abandoned the full forward line. I'm not saying they're going to do this in the final, but they abandoned the full forward line and pushed their whole full back line to the half back line and the half back line. Roy O'Carroll is playing centre forward there for some of the kickouts. And because they figured out the Port Arlington kick, the keeper couldn't get it out, couldn't kick it further than 40 yards. So they absolutely squeezed it. I know Kane's a different proposition because he has a good long kick on him, but I wouldn't be surprised if Crokes needed to because they have worked on it to push right up, push all their players and, and then try and squeeze Kaku and keep them penned in. For Kane as well, like he brings that threat as well, as we've seen in the finger, Finn Bear's game of this long uh, free-taking. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and Crokes have to be wary of that. And if there's a man running through the middle, you can't just foul him 45 yards out because Kane's going to come up, especially if they're ahead. It could be three, four minutes off the clock by the time Kane takes the shot. So yeah, it, it adds to it all. It adds to the discipline that both defences will need. Connor Ferris as well is well able to kick a 45 or just outside it. And as we spoke about, Mark Vaughan is, is able to come out off the bench if, if needed to. So um, yeah, both sides have to be disciplined and uh, because they have free takers in Devlin and probably Tom Fox for, for the closer ones in. But then they have the two goalkeepers who can, who can bang them and kill it dead, which is very important as well. So your team can reset. For Kilkew up front as well, Paul Devlin's and Conor Laverty are nearly the dictators, but as we've seen, like, they worked that goal excellently against um, Finn Bears with the, with the two Johnstons uh, central to that. 
yeah, they're slick. They're slick. And if they're let let run, that they'll do you huge damage. Like if, if if a man pops the ball off and runs for the turn, he has to be followed. If he's not followed, you're in all sorts of trouble. It's nearly like Curfane in their in, in their heyday as well, just popping balls all over the place. So Crokes are going to be aware of that and they're going to have their midfielders and they're going to have their half forwards tuned in as well that when we're not on the ball, we need to watch the runners because the two are so well organised. You see Conor Laverty putting the hand in the air. They obviously have set moves and things like that, um, that they, they have to be watched. And like traditional down team, down teams love scoring goals. Kaku will love if they get a sniff of a goal or 20 yards out and it's two on two, they're not kicking it over the bar, they're going for it. If we're looking at this game and predicting a winner, I I feel like you're tipping croaks to sneak this. I'm tipping croaks. Yeah, if I was a betting man, um, I, I would tip croaks to win it. I totally get where people are coming from with Kilku. They're an amazing team. They're battle hardened. They've so many medals and down. Now they've completed Ulster a few times. They're back in the All Ireland final. They've played in an All Ireland final that a lot of the croaks lads haven't. Um, and they have a, an amazing manager in Mickey Morn. And people would maybe argue that they've come through a tougher side as well to get through Ulster, to get through Finbars and then arrive here, whereas Crokes mightn't have met as much opposition in Leinster and then Pory Pierce's. But my counter-argument to that is that any obstacle that Crokes have faced, they have figured a way out around it. And when you delve into that Crokes team, there's so many of them have played minor, under 20 with Dublin. They're seasoned... Uh, uh, senior footballers at this stage they've got over Mannion Mannion's a huge loss I, and, and I know that and he takes all the other players in so much more focus now because Mannion isn't there he was the best distraction ever he was like he just he attracted two people to him everywhere he went but they still had so much in the tank anytime they played in Croke Park against Port Arlington and against Nace to beat Port Arlington double scores and kick 17 wides they nearly beat Nace in double scores as well I think it was double scores so they, they've been really, really strong in the path without being spectacular. And Robbie Brennan coming out saying Kukou are rightly favourites. And the general public probably want a Kukou victory because of the sheep farming story, because of the small rural parish. There's so many people that can relate to it. And I do know that they do have a strong bench, but then Croaks' bench has been phenomenal. And they will need watching when they come on. And you've Keen O'Connor, if you've Shane Horn, if you've Connor Casey, these fresh legs coming on 15 minutes to go. And then one or two other, one of the Joneses, or you have Anthony Quinn. These are just, these are as good as what they're replacing. And if any of the Kilku lads, if Croke see a few Kilku lads out on their feet and they go, right, we need to put on fresh legs onto him and he'll just burn them, they have the ability to do that. And that's, if they can get a goal and they can do that, I'd say they, they, they might edge it. A fascinating tie uh, awaits between these two, two sides on Saturday. Uh, that's all on our show for today, but uh, thanks a million for your time, Ryan.